Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, you are here at the right time, at the right place, because today we are continuing our walk through the book of Acts. And so I want to encourage you, grab a Bible, grab a a notebook, something that you can write with. And let's get into God's Word so we can get God's Word into our life, so we can get it into the world around us. Because God's Word is always, it's going to inspire you today, it's going to motivate you today, and hopefully it will bring some change into our lives as well today. So uh, be sure to let people know. Uh, if you're on Facebook, let share this so that your friends can, can see it and people can jump on, because today more than ever, we need Uh, the Word of God and the truth of God and the hope of God. So that's what we're doing uh, together here. And and today we're going to be looking at, uh, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. We're going to be looking at 12 through 26. I want to kind of back up a little bit to talk about, uh, talk about what has happened so far. You know, when Peter and John, we saw in this chapter, they, uh, they healed this disabled lame man, and then they immediately took the opportunity. This it presented this open door and this interest to preach the gospel, to share the truth of Jesus with this crowd that got together there. And you know they didn't back off. They didn't hold back. They didn't shy away uh, from speaking boldly the truth about Jesus, even though it was risky, even though it was going to cost them something, even though it was uh, not a popular thing to do. And as followers of Jesus, we also need to have that boldness. And we can have that boldness today in sharing the truth and the love of Jesus, the good news with people all around us. And so we've got to be bold about that. We've got to trust God's spirit to give us those words, even when you don't know what to say and we need to see people. We need to change the way we see people. And we see and know that there is no one that you're going to make eye contact with today that God doesn't love and who Jesus didn't die for. And he wants to save them. He wants to change them. And that is good theology right there. And that's what we are called to do as God's people. Listen, no one is too far gone, no one is too jacked up, no one is too messed up, so that God still doesn't want to change you and to save you. And uh, we're called to go and share this message. And we know this, we know this actually from, um, from the fact that we see this in the lives of the disciples. They moved 
in their attitude, what happened, what changed them that moved them from a we can't go to let's go. That they were hiding out in fear and now all of a sudden something changed in their life. What was that? We're going to look at that today and we see that Jesus had said some of his close to the last words, not the last words, but but we know that some of the last things that he said, he gave us the Great Commission, which is in Matthew 28 and 19. And it's, Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, go. And we've got to move today from won't go or can't go to let's go. Let's do this. You know, whenever you hear somebody say, uh, whenever you hear somebody say, let's go, usually those are some famous last words. You know, somebody's about to do something really dumb, you know, uh, before they, they say that. But listen, uh, the church is saying, let's go. Those early Christians impacted and shaped culture and changed culture, and they drew people to Jesus. What is it that changed in their lives? Why did they become so passionate about going out to connect people with Jesus? Today, we're going to be looking at what Peter and the other disciples did after God used them to heal this disabled man. We're looking in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is all about the acts of the first church, the actions of the first church, and what they did. So as we look back in the Gospels in the New Testament, we see what Jesus did, right? Jesus was teaching. He was healing the sick. He was working all kinds of miracles. But then after just three short years of public ministry, the religious leaders of the day, along with the help of the Roman government, nailed him to a cross and he died on the cross. And after that night, all of his followers were dejected. They were left behind. They were afraid. They were hiding out in fear for their lives. And then something happened that changed their lives. It changed their attitudes. It changed their what they did and how they lived. What changed? Well, what changed was Jesus rose from the dead. He came back to life with his own power. And they walked with him. These disciples, they saw him. They ate breakfast with him. They saw him ascend back up into heaven. And their attitude changed suddenly from we can't go to let's go. And in Acts 2, just a few weeks ago, as we looked at Acts 2, they saw thousands of people put their faith and trust in Jesus. And in Acts 3, now they're out on the dirty, dangerous streets. And Peter and John were walking around. They were out at the temple, that very place where Jesus was put on trial. And they knew that this was a dangerous place for them. And this lame beggar asked them for some money. And they said, we don't have money, but what we have, we will give to you. And God heals this guy through them. God uses them to bring healing. And he gets up. He starts dancing, uh, jumping around. And this crowd shows up. And they know without a doubt that this man had been disabled since birth. So they're wondering, what is going on? And Peter sees he's got an open door opportunity to speak up. And uh, as word spread of this amazing healing throughout the temple, everybody's running 
to this place, to Solomon's porch. Something is happening here. And they wanted to know what happened. Why did this happen? How did this happen? So Peter jumps on this open door opportunity to tell everybody he can about Jesus and how they could be saved. Let's look at, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 3 here, starting in verse uh, 12. It says this, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact, okay? So they get really bold. They start speaking up in that same place where just two months earlier, they had crucified Jesus. And then it goes on. By faith in the name of Jesus, in verse 16, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And he goes on. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he'd foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing might come from the Lord. So how do are our sins forgiven? It happens when we repent and we trust in the name of Jesus. And repentance means turning, it means agreeing with God about your sin. Uh, it means turning away from your sin and turning to God, doing a 180 degree turn. You're headed one way and now you're headed the other way. And, um, so that times are refreshing, so refreshing when you're forgiven. There's nothing else like it. And that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus, and heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said... The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. And anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Okay? And then this last passage here, as we go on in verse 24, Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And all includes you and me today. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And it's it's up to each person, each person to, um, to make a personal decision to trust in Jesus. And, and you know, it's probably hard to hear the message that these people heard, to, to hear that the road to heaven is narrow, that not everyone is going to heaven, only those who've put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And some people look at that and they say, well, that's close-minded, that's extreme. But think about Peter. 
Peter had had breakfast with a man who had died. And uh, that changes things. That makes you say some crazy things. That makes you believe what that dead man who had come back to life has to say. And so they went from seeing Jesus as a dead teacher to a risen Savior. Think about that. When Jesus died, they were afraid for their lives. They were running scared. When they saw him alive again, they were bold. And that's what we believe too. That's what I believe. Not just because the Bible says so, but I believe the Bible is the word of God and the truth of God. And the Bible tells me this. And when you open the book and you look at Matthew, who who was written by Matthew, who was a tax collector, and he knew Jesus and he wrote about it and his life was changed. And, And John knew Jesus and he wrote down what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Luke was a doctor who wrote about Jesus. Peter knew Jesus. He wrote about Jesus. Even James, who was Jesus' brother or half-brother, because God was his father. But James, when Jesus was alive, James didn't believe uh, in that in Jesus. James didn't believe that Jesus was God. He he didn't think he was. But when you saw him alive, when he saw him alive again, he believed, and he wrote the book of James. I don't know how many of you would think that your brother or sister was God. I have a a little brother. His name's Chris, and he's amazing. I'm proud of my brother, and I love my brother. But let me tell you this. He could do a lot. He he, he could do a lot of things uh, that are good. He could even do some magic tricks, and I would not think he's God. But uh, but if he died and he rose again and ascended into heaven, then, you know, that might convince me. Listen, James didn't get rich for believing in Jesus. This wasn't his ticket to fame and fortune. James instead was persecuted um, and he was killed for his faith. And the cross of Christ is so important. But listen... We don't just preach a crucified Savior. We preach a risen King, a risen Savior, a victorious uh, God who who has defeated death and hell and the grave and sin. And, And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if Jesus didn't rise again, then our preaching and our faith is useless. Listen, Joseph Smith, the guy who... Uh, founded Mormonism. He died and he's in the grave. Buddha is still in the grave. Muhammad is still in the grave. But Jesus is alive and well. And that is what separates truth from fiction. It's what separates uh, Christianity from every other world religion, every other belief system. Jesus is a risen king. And you don't have anything to fear. Peter and John faced death because of their faith. So think about this. What is the the worst that can happen to you? You know, we are so scared of inviting that person at work, of speaking up, inviting the person behind the counter at the grocery store. We fear the worst. Well, what does the worst look like today? Today, thank God, still... You know, um, 
you might make a mean look on your face so you can kind of imagine what that looks like. That's probably the worst that's going to happen. Um, you, it, when you invite someone, when you, when you speak up for Jesus, um, with Peter and John, they were facing death. And so we can have courage like they did. No matter what, no matter what level the persecution in our country rises to, we're still going to be bold. We're still going to speak up, okay? Because we have to. Because now our perspective also, check this out, on other people has changed. Because look at what they did. They went from seeing others as enemies to seeing them as prisoners. See, before Jesus rose again, his followers saw everyone as a potential enemy. Everyone was after them. Everyone was out to get them. These people are my enemies. And something switched into them in, in their hearts so that they could see that people are prisoners who need to be set free. I've had the opportunity to go to other places in the world, to Guatemala and Bolivia, and I've been along the in villages in the Amazon River in Brazil. And in all of these places, I've seen poverty like uh, it's hard to imagine. And when, when we see them, we see prisoners of poverty. And so as believers, we want to do everything we can to help set them free. The, their, their main need is not their, uh, their financial need. It's not the poverty. It's that they need Jesus. And so we want to take Jesus. We want to help them in the, their physical needs, but we help them in their spiritual needs. And we get to be a part of that rescue mission. Uh, how about those people that we actually look at? Maybe they are our enemies. I've seen, you remember the video a few years ago of those terrorists who were cutting the heads off of Christians. We know this week there was a, an attack on Christians on a church in Nashville, and that was a targeted attack at Christians, um, specifically because of what we believe as Christians. How do you feel when you see those terrorists? Many times there's a rage and we're angry and we want justice and uh, because it's wrong what they're doing to Christians and how they're targeting Christians. But let me ask you, can, can you see the fact that they are prisoners of an evil ideology? Okay, I'm not saying they're victims, but I am saying that they've been deceived and deluded. Um, there's a church in Sweden called Word of Life that is using drones to fly um, at a high altitude to release thousands of little small electronic Bibles into Iraq, a place that is, that is uh, antagonistic to Christians. And they said these Bibles are the size of pillboxes and have a display. They require no electricity, but they work on their own. Our ambition is to pass on the hope and the love of the Christian gospel to a population living in a closed area where they're being denied uh, human rights and, uh, and the freedom of religion and worship. Okay, why do we do that? Because we've got to do whatever it takes to go to people who need Jesus. Okay, um, I'm not talking about how do we how do we achieve justice in that area. I'm saying how do we get to their hearts? Okay, 
Is it just that we love revenge and vengeance, or do we want to see people set free from captivity? That's the answer to what's happening. You know, let me just, I'll go into this, you know. Uh, When we see um, the rise in shootings, right? We see a rise in shootings, uh, school shootings, mass shootings in our country. Listen, we've had guns for a long time. But something has has snapped within the hearts of people, and they are uh, murderous. Okay, whatever weapons they they could use, whatever weapons would be at their disposal, they're going to use it. We've got to figure out what has happened in hearts to cause people to be so hopeless and in such despair. And I know what that is, and you know what that is—that it's people without hope because they do not have. The, the love and the hope and the forgiveness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have to share that hope with them, okay? Could you have the same love for somebody who has a different, um, who, who is outside of the church, you know, uh, who, who is a, a worldly lost person as you do for a person who is poor, okay? This is a person who is deluded and deceived and the enemy, uh, the devil has taken them captive and they need to be set free. Think about Paul in the New Testament. He was a terrorist who was going around killing Christians and yet Jesus met him and saved him and used him. We need to have a heart for the hurting and the lost and the broken And if anyone's going to change the world, it should be us as Christians. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all need the same forgiveness. No matter how good you may personally think you are, we've got to understand that we're all jacked up and we're all messed up. Whether it's, you know, the poor because of that situation and they're living in poverty, or whether it's someone who is, they've got lots of money perhaps, or somebody who is actually physically out to attack Christians. Listen, everyone's in need. How do we make the shift? Well, we don't see people as our enemies. We see people as people who are prisoners who need to be set free. And when you say yes to Jesus, all of a sudden, you've got a brand new mission. Picture it like this. Picture it like you're sick and you're in the hospital and you are you become well in the hospital and and they say, all right, uh, jump on this, the, the crew here at the hospital. We got people to save. You say, I don't know what to do. That's okay. Just start, grab a, grab a mop. Let's go. Let's go. That's what it's like when you join the, the, the church. You become part of God's um, mission immediately in that same way. You might say, I don't know what to do. That's okay. Just jump in. We've got to do it. And, and their whole perspective change. Not only do they go from seeing others as enemies to seeing them uh, as prisoners who need to be set free and rescued, they went from seeing life as temporary to eternal. We're so short-sighted. Sometimes we just can't see this far in front of our face, right? We're just, we think so temporary and so momentary. Listen, we were made for eternity. And every person will spend eternity somewhere, either in God's presence in a real place called heaven or separated from God in a real place called hell. 
But so often, we're only thinking about today. We're only thinking about this life, this place. Eternity goes on and on forever. You can't even fathom the end. And there's so much more than this life. And I want to live my life today in the light of eternity, to have an eternal perspective. Listen, we go to school, we study, we work, we save, um, and we want to ultimately, you know, enjoy what? Retirement, right? We People live for the weekend. They're working for the weekend. They live their whole lives just to enjoy this little slice. And we make decisions just to enjoy this little moment. But when you follow Jesus, you begin to make decisions in light of eternity. You say, I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. Not just to get a new car or get new stuff. And people think, well, you're dumb. Why don't you go for all that this life has? No, we're not living for this one little moment. We're living for all of eternity. That's wise. That's smart. That makes the difference. The disciples went to their friends and they went to their families. They went to the hurting and the broken and their enemies. They went to everybody and they told their friends and they started to pray big prayers. They would pray, um, you know, maybe we see little things happen in our lives because we're just praying little prayers. We pray things like, God, protect us, make us feel comfortable, give us peace. They prayed differently, and they could be killed. And they prayed, get us, get us out of here, uh, rescue us. Uh, they prayed, protect us in the middle of a, of a culture that, that needs to know Jesus. They prayed, give us boldness. That's what they wanted. Give us boldness, because people need Jesus. Listen, life is eternal, and we have the opportunity to live with an eternal perspective, and we will go to every person, every person, because God wants all of them. And when we step out of this life and into eternity, it's going to be awesome, but we want to take as many people with us because we're moving from, uh, we're moving from won't go and can't go to let's go and must go. We must go and we must tell them because if we don't do it, who's going to do it? So we take the example of these early Christians and we begin living our lives with a new reality. We see Jesus for who he is. We see people as they are, that they're prisoners who need to be set free and they need the hope and the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring. And we see life as more than just this moment. We look at our lives in the light of eternity. So let's uh, do that. Let's commit to that today. Let's ask God to use us to make a difference. And I want us to pray right now. I'm going to pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for uh, this moment. But God, we thank you that you're using us in this moment to make a difference that will last for eternity. Give us the same boldness. Give us the same eyes to see people. Give us the same passion that those early disciples had, God, and give us the same effectiveness that, God, we want to see our world change today. And we want to see that happen by your power because we need a move of God from you 
like never before, God, and we ask that you would bring that about today, bring it about in our lives. We thank you and we're trusting in you and we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a blessed rest of the week. I look forward to seeing you really soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.